right. So this is our first episode of Chefs Tell Stories. Which Woo! Are, there you go. Our new podcast where we're going to have a different chef on every week to uh, tell stories, to share their adventures, their, um, you know, times in the trenches, so to speak. The, Once uh, upon a time. Yeah, there you go. All the, all the crazy, <laughs> wacky adventures they've had. And um, sort of get to know them as a person and uh, take an adventure together. My name's Jerry, and uh, I'll be hosting along with Grace. Yep, hey guys. There you go. And um, we're excited. We're pumped. Yeah, we've got our first guest here. Hello. <laughs> there you are. So our guest this week is uh, Rebecca Reed. Who is the pastry chef for a group of restaurants here in Jacksonville, um, Orsay, Black Sheep, and Bellwether? That's right. So it's, I think it's called Black Sheep Restaurant Group. Did I get it right? It is. I know. It's always kind of funny when people hear Black Sheep Restaurant Group. They go, How many black sheep do you have? I know. Like, one, right? I'm just, well, I feel like I'm not a black sheep. You know what I mean? Like, but <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm fairly compliant. You know, I just, I get too crazy so i'm just i'm not all that so in camelot you'd have to be the white knight you couldn't be the black knight right yeah totally (laughs) but it's it's a group name i understand the meaning behind it like they're trying to push things and give people that might not otherwise have a place an opportunity to do things and it's a nice thing but it is always a little bit funny for me i'm like hey i'm rebecca i'm the black sheep I'm the leader of the black sheeps. <laughs> I asked the same question too. I was like, is it the black sheep restaurant group? <laughs> yes. BSRG. I like it. Okay, so give us what's the like give give us an adventure from the kitchen. Where what have you what wild and wondrous experience have you had? That is such a huge question. Do you want to put a time limit on it? We're, we're not oh. trying to just like hang out and have In a the discussion past year. like in you the know, past year, I'm not trying to know your pet dog's name. We're trying to find out. So the craziest thing that's happened. Well, it's funny. The restaurant industry is interesting because you walk in every day and you just don't know what's going to happen. So many things can go right and wrong, and there's so much problem solving. If it's people, you know, interpersonal issues that happen, um, or even just equipment that doesn't work. Who knows if the building is going to have an issue one day I was prepping for an event at Bellwether and I was alone in the kitchen and I saw like a tiny stream of water and I was like that's weird (laughs) I didn't think that I had like dropped or spilled anything so I'm like hmm what do you do with that information like starting to look around I'm like oh there's water gushing out of the wall had to solve that issue uh so you just you don't know if you're going to be taking your shoes off and squeegeeing or if gonna be a beautiful sunny day like you just you are there and you make it happen so yeah there was water gushing in from like corners of the office it was that's fun i mean no (laughs) it wasn't you never know what you're gonna be dealing with that day yeah it's it's that i mean refrigeration goes down things like that and you're just you're problem solving and dealing with issues trying to save your product it's probably not like glamorous by any means um but you get to work with some unique people, um, and that makes it really fun and exciting. Makes sense. I, it's hard to think of like the craziest story. What doesn't have like, to be the craziest? Hey. Just like um, some kind of something fun. Like when, when did like 
you have an aha moment or do you have one of those stories? Is there ever like a moment where you were just like, I, I figured it out. Like, or is there a moment maybe in your career where you said like, I've reached sort of the point where I feel like I made it or I've got it or. No, like never. And I think that that's partially just like my personality and what drives me. I feel like as soon as I get a menu out, I have, you know, all my recipes written. I've done my r and I've taught everybody how to do it. Um, you know, the menu rolls out, problem solving, things going really well. The dessert is successful or not. It's, or even if it is very successful and it's a keeper and we're going to leave it on the menu, I still think about it and think about ways to make it better. How to perfect it, yeah. Yes. So you're a perfectionist. Definitely. I don't think, well, yes, probably most people would say <laughs> that that work with me. Is it just honest. in your work life or at home too? Are you still like that at home too? I think uh, people will say that I'm meticulous and that's probably very fair. <laughs> I just... I am a details person, so I will continue to look at and think about the details, and it's just never over. Like, if I meet a goal, I get excited. I don't, like, not celebrate or, you know, not feel happy about it, but then I'm just always, like, thinking about the next thing. Yeah. Every time, people ask me all the time, what is my favorite dish? And you probably asked me this like 17 times before. Everybody asks it, and it's fine. People want to go to the restaurant and order the chef's favorite dish. Right. But my favorite dish is always like the one I'm working on for the next menu because it's never. Because you get excited for what's coming, you know. Yes, so. and then like it's gotta you, be hard. You do so much R and D, so much teaching, so much writing and organizing, and all of that. And then like by the time the thing is there, you're like. Let's work on the next one. You know, I'm just... It's a different cycle for you. For you, you're working two steps ahead versus people are enjoying it the first time. You're already working on what's coming up next. Definitely. Well, you're bored of it too, right? Yeah, or like you're like, man, if I have to eat another whatever it is to make sure (laughs) this thing is right. And you're like, ah. Fortunately, I do like really love sugar in dessert, so I eat it all the time. I'm always like just thinking about ways to make it slightly better. Yeah. Like that, that drives me and it, it makes me uh, keep going. I don't know if I would ever be like, I have made it. I think that's like a brain type. It's like a, a way you... Personality you, I, Yeah, maybe. I like, wait, I have that. It drives my wife nuts because like literally everything I do all day long, I analyze just mm. constantly and figure out how to make better. And um, if she makes dinner and I look at it and I'm like, well, that was really good, but I would do this, this, and this differently. Annoying. It just makes her <laughs> insane. Oh, totally. No, I know. And sometimes it's hard for me. Like, it's been a leadership struggle for me at times because, you know, I'll have a standard for something. It's like, okay, we're going to do this. This way, at the end of the night, we're going to close down this station this way. Everybody, Everything has to be wrapped just like this. And then people meet that standard and it's like, okay, and maybe I just don't spend a ton of time like congratulating myself on stuff. So it's like, okay, well, since you can do that, I also need you to scrub this thing. And people are almost like, wait, no, I just did a good job and I got another project. And it's like, <laughs> I know, I know, but it's like, I know you can do it. So I'm just going to keep throwing stuff at you because I think we can all be better. But I know it's hard when you're that person. You're like, dang it. I, I thought I made her happy, but like, no, no, we also have to blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Like, yeah, but the goal isn't to get that one thing right. The goal is the bigger picture, right? Oh, so, totally. Yeah. And when you do, like, nail the little things, that's when, like, the bigger picture really starts to come. And I just, 
like I am that detail person who is, you know, making sure the little things are done right. And big picture people, uh, I feel like sometimes struggle with my meticulousness. <laughs> I think the average diner doesn't realize that at some point be in being a chef, right? So you're a, the progression is you're incorrect. There's I'm sure I'll miss a step along the way, but you know, you work as a line cook orig- mm-hmm. uh, initially. Maybe if you don't go to culinary school, then you work in the dish pit maybe to start yeah. and you make your way out. But, you know, you work as a line cook and then um, hopefully sous chef, executive chef or chef de cuisine somewhere, right? And then um, then maybe you're doing something over a whole group. Maybe you're executive chef for a group or a restaurant. I know not necessarily as a pastry chef that, mm-hmm. that may not be the direction we go. But people forget that a lot of successful chefs are being able to teach. Oh my goodness. I don't know if it's even just, it is leadership. Like Mm -hmm. being a chef certainly has to do with talent and your ability to put great food on a plate. However, so much of what you're doing is leading and managing people. And it's just a huge component that is not always matched with, like, the creative brains that we have, you know? So there's a lot going on there. And, yeah, when you first start out, you're learning techniques and, you know, the basic fundamental stuff. And you might learn that by washing dishes. You could go to culinary school. Um, And those are, like, totally different experiences, the way you're going to work through a kitchen and up and all of that. Or you'll have just random people that come in that like to cook at home or whatever and are applying because they have management experience and like blah, blah, blah. And people come at this thing in a bunch of different ways. Or not everyone in this industry goes to culinary school or actually works in a restaurant. You know what I mean? So there's lots of people that are, um, you know, contributing to it. Even our really front of house people, they're not actually doing the cooking, um, but they're they're part of it. So there's there's lots of ways to not even have to work your way through to have a little voice in it, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. What what um? So you're a pastry chef for three different restaurants. Mm-hmm. Is there something you do different for each of those three? Absolutely. Um, the three restaurants I work at really have different personalities, and they're filled with different people. And you have to bring a different leadership style to meet each person. I like to think that I know who I am as a leader and I stay true to that no matter where I am. But the way I talk to each person is going to be specific to them or where they are. Because I have some people that are, um, you know, really talented and really creative and we can menu plan and think about ways to push things and there's other people that are just learning the fundamentals and I have to keep things um you know straightforward and very orderly and basic so that way they can have this sturdy foundation to build the creativity on eventually but yeah everybody is different it's like like my mom has three daughters and she will talk about just having to be a different mom to each kid and it's kind of it's like you just have to put on a different hat to like ultimately accomplish what you're trying to do with each individual yeah so and then also the chefs that I work for are different at each place so just having sometimes it's like a funny middle management role you know uh because I am talking with our executive chefs everywhere and 
they just do things differently, and they're just different people, so you have to yeah. figure out, Yeah, well, I'm like, sure it's different for them, too, because they're focused on one restaurant, you're focused on three. Mm-hmm. And they so. can see, like, the interworkings that happen on the daily there. Right. And sometimes I come in, or, like, you know, blow in, yeah. and then everybody's, you know, things appear to be fine, but there's really this thing that happened, like, two days ago or whatever, and it needs to be addressed, and... I don't know, so I'm coming in happy and everybody's in this weird mood. You're a mediator. Yeah, it's like, uh, uh, so you just have to figure out the things. It's communication. It's I'm sure that's super, um, like, generalized through lots of industries. You know, yeah. anybody who's managing different people, you have to figure out how to uh, communicate with Sounds them. like there's some serious politics in, in dealing with all three, or dealing with three different restaurants. You know, it's a new role for me. It's different to not be at one location all the time because I do miss things. Um, you know, stuff will be happening and I just won't know about it. And sometimes it does take something coming to a head before I can address it or even just get clued in to, oh, wait, I haven't seen that person in a few days. Where are they? Oh, they got fired. Or, oh, they stopped showing up. Whatever it is, you're like, oh, I thought they might be on vacation. Or are they sick? <laughs> like, what's going on? Oh, I might never see you. You know, it's <laughs> you, know, you just don't know. Do you ever worry about you're not the one putting the kitchen the plate out of sending the plate out of the kitchen very mm-hmm. often these days, right? I mean, True. obviously you're working in one of the restaurants and there's some plates you're actually yeah. doing, but do you ever worry about like this has my name on it and maybe it's not going out at the level that I would want it to be at? Absolutely, like that is yes, that's my job. That's my job to worry about that, and that's that's basically how I manage my day where you has there ever been like a crazy situation where someone was like doing the wrong thing and you kind of found out about it oh yeah a lot of times I really believe that people show up to work and they want to do a good job and they might not do a good job because I haven't set them up for success maybe I haven't trained them well maybe they lost the picture of the dessert Maybe me training this person that didn't train them. You know, there's lots of, you know, errors that can happen along the way. Um, And I feel like somebody in HR told me years ago something because I was frustrated with uh, dealing with employees that I didn't feel like were doing a great job. And I was like, you know, if you just see people through this lens of you show up to work and you want to do a good job, like how do I help people do a good job? Maybe it is, you know encouraging them every single day and saying <laughs> let's plate this thing up together again I want to make sure you understand right blah 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 let's let's do it again let's have a picture a diagram on the station so you have a reference for it yeah how can um, I help you do it the best that you can do it right? mm-hmm. and there's other times like sometimes people just don't care on the level that I care so, of course yeah things like that happen you just have to kind of like well, it's an industry where people are overworked, underpaid, constantly critiqued, and it's it's just a brutal place to – it's a great place to work in mm-hmm. some ways, but at the bottom of the totem pole, it's a pretty brutal place to – I mean, yeah. brutal place to work. It's not easy, but, like, so many wonderful things in life. Like, don't give up there. Like, Sure, yeah, right? And if you're there. good, you move up very quick. It's also one of the few yeah. industries where – there are a lot of industries where you're good, but it takes you years to move up. It seems like an industry where if you're really good, you move up pretty quickly. I'm, I guess so. I don't know. I was just in New York. I saw my first real chef. And 
The first one you worked You're for. You're not a real <laughs> chef, Rebecca? It took me a minute. I'm like, my first real chef. I'm like, wow. Oh, okay. I thought a... you were a chef. I thought uh, you were a chef Then it today. clicked. It's I was really... like, oh, no. I understand. Like a mentor and somebody that I worked for. I interned for her and then got my first job. I really didn't have the experience to have that job. But because I interned there, I did get the job. And it's just, it's funny because back then... You know, I thought I was pretty good. I went to a prestigious culinary school in New York City. I had, like, volunteered and, you know, interned and done some stuff. And you're like, sweet, like, I am doing it. And people would say, like, oh, you're a chef. But then, like, you are just starting out and you really just don't know. Like, it has taken me 10 years to wear the chef hat that I'm wearing now. You know what I mean? And it does... It, it takes time, like anything, to perfect your craft, you know? Yeah. I don't know, it's 10,000 hours. I don't know if you just yeah. never have enough hours to totally get it there. Well, let's, let's backtrack a little bit. I mean, tell us how you got started in the food industry. Like, what made you decide on being in food and particularly desserts? I love sugar. And Jerry can attest to that. Actually, we both just, have an there's intense nothing sweet too sweet. So. There's almost nothing too sweet for me, <laughs> just, like... I mean, I like well-balanced food and all that. Like, I love dessert. And even, like, from a child, like, I just, I liked dessert. Who doesn't like dessert? Loved chocolate as a kid. And um, it's funny because I've told this story a couple of different times. People are like, oh, how did you start cooking? I'm like, well, I actually had this nanny. My parents both worked. I have three sisters. And we had a nanny. And one of them was just this horrific cook, like, Everything she made was awful. <laughs> and I was probably, like, 12 or 13. Like, old enough that you could, like, kind of be trusted in the kitchen to do some stuff. And I was just, like, at a certain point of, like, all right, well, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. <laughs> you are going to mess up. Put me in the kitchen. <laughs> then I am going to read the back of the freaking box and put this thing together. And it was like, okay, like, if I can make cookies and, you know, do these things. And then, like, my family would come together around it it was just and she could throw this nanny out of the house <laughs> yeah, yeah. no but we needed supervision i totally needed supervision um, yeah i think like part of it was born in that and also just my family like who my mother and both of my grandmothers um are and were like they're just people that get people together around food like my family just came together around food it was always like you know memories are built on holidays um, my grandmother was just always like quick with, quick with a casserole is what I would say. Quick like, with a casserole. I like you that. Know, she would just like whip something up, bring it to a neighbor. If it's something exciting and happy, happy happening in their life, um, yeah. you know, she would share in their joy or if there was sorrow, like she would be right there too. And I think I just saw that and I always saw like my mom making cookies or, you know, my family getting together to have dinner every Friday night. It was just something we did. I'm like, oh, like, this is a wonderful thing that brings people together. Um, so I also had thought about going to culinary school right out after high school and was like, no, I'm, like, kind of smart. I think I should do something else in my brain. <laughs> um, so I'm like, all right, I did my undergrad. I uh, actually wanted to be a marriage counselor. Which is like super funny when you know me now. I love like relationships and working with people. Um, and I think I still have the same heart towards people and like wanting people to work together and like do good things. You probably are doing some marriage counseling now, right? <laughs> I, but, like very indirectly. Uh, 
Well, it's funny, but it's like, I still, I like to bring people together and yeah. I like to make people happy, but man, that industry is not for me. Like, <laughs> I need joy, like so much joy. You didn't quite that, think about the negatives. <laughs> no, yeah. And you like start to get into it. And then I took the GRE once. I didn't do that great. I'm like applying to grad school. So I took it again, did this prep course. And I was like, man, like I am not even into the school that I think I might want to go to. I don't even know if I actually want to go there. You know, like, I don't know if I could continue down this path. And so I was like, all right, like, what else would I do? Well, I had always thought about being a chef. And then I'm like, well, like, let's be honest, I would really love to do dessert. Like, if I'm going to do this thing, let's do it. So I moved to New York City. I'd like just gotten married. Um, my husband and I were like, okay, what are we going to do? Uh, and he was like, well, if you're going to do it, like, let's, let's really do it. So yeah. moved to New York, went to the best pastry school I could, and then started doing it with lots of questions and doubts, you know, <laughs> you away, but, um, Long Island. Okay. So not too far from New York. Yeah. I was born in North Carolina, moved up there when I was like six and then did my undergrad at Wingate University near Charlotte and then kind of just went back and forth a little bit and then trickled all the way down. There you go. So you just had like a, a monumental moment in life. You had a kid. Oh, yeah. Right? First kid. First child. How has what? that changed life for you? Oh, my goodness. Like in every way. And it's funny because I feel like parents say things to people, like especially when I was pregnant. Oh, my gosh. People would be like, oh, my gosh, your life is about to change. I was just like, <laughs> you know, really? white knuckles know. on everything. Like, oh, my gosh, what's about to happen? Um, But like it really does. It changes so many things. Um. The way I relate to people, I think, is different. I think I have a new level. I know I have a new level of compassion <laughs> for people um, because you realize, like, everybody is somebody's kid. Or I say things to my daughter all the time. She's a toddler now, so it's always like, no, no, you can't touch this. This is hot. <laughs> you know, whatever it might be. Um, but I just have, like, not totally endless, but so much more patience with her and then I think like oh man like how many times you know do you get it wrong or do you need like that constant um you know guidance of somebody being like oh no like not like this not like this like no like you really want to do that but like you know all of this and I'm like man this like this new thing is kind of welled up within me where I do see people and I'm like man like you just you're somebody's kid or you're a parent and I'm like I feel you, you know, your kid has double ear infections and you got like negative sleep last night and you are here trying to do your best and I am going to be the biggest supporter of you that I can be today. And it, it changes things. In the past, I might've been like, everybody needs to show up ready to work. And now having had sleepless more nights, understanding. <laughs> yeah, you have more understanding. And you also realize what you can do to help people. Because mm -hmm. if I didn't have a support system where I am, I wouldn't be able to do my job well. And right. everybody needs the opportunity, you know, like to yeah. really push things forward. Yeah, I, th I think when you have your first child, you learn really what love is. Oh my gosh, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not sure you ever really understand the depths of what your love can be before you have a child. Mm -hmm. you know, it changes you. It makes you a different person. I think hopefully it makes you a more whole person. More compassionate person, you know, and then you understand what torture is too. Oh, you sleep, totally. no, you don't oh. sleep for like months. Yeah, the beginning is the worst. 
Yeah. You guys had me at the edge of my seat there, and then, like, the torture part was like, okay, this oh, is why yeah, I don't yeah. have kids yet. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, we're, <laughs> what, like, maybe 14 weeks in right now, and, uh, yeah, not getting... My wife's wonderful. <laughs> She's getting, like, no sleep, and, you know, Did you just yeah. have another baby? We did. Yeah. Yeah. Where was I? Oh, man. Little J4. Yeah, he's... <laughs> I'm, I'm Gerald Edward Watterson the <laughs> third. And, and thankfully, my wife finally agreed. it took a, it took a lot of convincing, three, but yeah. agreed, and he is the fourth. So Aww. I always there was always such pride for me in being like I I my grandfather died when I was four, and so there was this pride for me and love and the attachment that I got some kind of connection to him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So can and I, my dad and I are super close. I work with him every day. Yeah. Sometimes it means we want to kill each other, but most of the time it's, it's pretty good. He's a cool yeah, dude. He's a cool dude. Yeah. That's yeah. Fun. Good adventure. I think the other thing about like being a mom or being a parent, um, it does help for the things that aren't important to fall away a little bit easier because I know I am a detailed person, so I can get stuck in things that just aren't the most important. Or, you know, like, making the most delicious dessert is really the goal. If the petals aren't picked exactly how I like to have them picked. You know, there's some stuff that's just like, you know, I need to go now. Because I need to save some of my energy and what I have to give for, you know, my home. And everything that I've got going on there, too. It's a little bit easier to be like, this is good. It's where it needs to be. And I can set it down and pick it up again tomorrow. What's your zodiac sign, Rebecca? I'm a Libra. Oh, I just I knew that. Gra- Grace is a big fan of zodiac signs. She's like convinced you that you can like define to... a person by their zodiac sign. It's funny. I one of my uh, people is really into it too, and she'll say things all the time, and I'm like, "Can you please align my stars?" I'm like, "I don't know." Oh my God. <laughs> I don't know, that that might be kind of hard. Yeah. Grace, when you get your first house, are you going to have like the feng shui person come in? and Maybe, I don't know. I have smelled smelly smells in the kitchen and like literally taken sage and lit it on fire and like done a little dance to try to make it smell better. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, it helps. That is great. It really does. <laughs> That's awesome. Where, where do you look for inspiration? Like, um, I mean, you're going to create, every time you guys do a seasonal menu, you're going to do six... Desserts, probably-ish, mm-hmm. at three different restaurants. So you got to do 18 desserts, and you get, what, about a month to put it together? A month and a half? It's, it's like a lifetime process. You know what I mean? Like, where did some of the things that I have on there right now come from? It's not always, like, the one month of actual planning. It's, like, an idea I had forever years ago. ago. Yeah. yeah, you pull things out. Honestly, I like to make food that I like to eat. So that is, you know, one of the first things I do. It's like, is this delicious? Is this something that, like, I would actually order on a menu? Um, And then, like, inspiration is all over the place. It is, what do I feel like eating right now? Like, what looks good? What are the purveyors saying? Um, And then I like to look at other people's work, too, kind of see what trends are happening, see what I can add to, you know, whatever we've got going on. And then really what the other chefs are up to in the kitchen is really inspiring. Like if they're fermenting weird things or like doing processes I've never done before, um, I have to kind of, you know, peek over there and see if I can put that thing on a dessert or if it's not something I want to go near. <laughs> Do you ever take inspo like from your daughter or from things you might make at home? Uh, 
Oh, I don't do like intense baking at home like I used to. <laughs> Too <laughs> much at work, so I just got to keep it there. Yeah, it's different cooking at home versus cooking at work. Um, right now my daughter does really love peanut butter, so I am thinking about peanut butter a whole lot more than <laughs> I normally would. Uh, yeah, she hasn't totally inspired it yet. Uh, sometimes my husband will say things like, can you please just make those chocolate, uh, oatmeal chocolate chip cookies? I used to make them in college and they're like, they're good cookies, but they're not like, whoa, best thing I've ever made. But he'll say stuff like that. But to him, it might be like amazing. Yeah. Or like, it just goes back. Like he just likes it. So I'll make it. Nostalgic, yeah. Yeah. Like these aren't that bad. I should totally make these. And then I'm like, (laughs) oh, let's throw oatmeal in like some cookie or whatever. I'm like, oh, it's a good idea. Thanks, babe. So how has the celebrity chef phenomenon changed things? You know, each one is different. So it's hard to say just like how, like celebrity chefs can mean a lot of things. Sure. You can talk about a whole lot of different people um, with a whole lot of different backgrounds. And I fear sometimes that because of like the Food Network and Cooking Channel, even social media things where people see uh you know, other people on this platform, sometimes you don't realize all the hard work that goes into getting there. Um, so sometimes it can be confusing for people if they feel like they can do, you know, that show or be that celebrity, whatever, without having the experience. Um, yeah. It can be confusing. Or you see people doing things and, um, you know, everybody's different. Like, everybody has their, you know, unique thing that they bring to stuff. So... Some people love, you know, the way Rachel Ray can relate to lots of people and, you know, Guy Fieri and his personality. And other chefs are just like, how dare you hold a knife like that with that, you know, <laughs> things like that. It's just, it's all over the place. Do you have a favorite celebrity chef? Ooh. No, not like one. I don't a know. couple? I, Top I, three? Gosh, I'd have to think about it. Oh, so much judgment is coming my way about how I answer this. <laughs> <laughs> you have to just like forget about that. Pioneer woman, I love Pioneer woman. And, and just hang out with us for a little while. Well, it's funny. I uh, met, I'll shamelessly say it, Bobby Flay, like the day before I was starting culinary school. And I went to the same school that he went to in New York. And... Um, my husband and I ate at one of his restaurants and he was like expo, I don't know, whatever, but he was standing in an open kitchen and it was like, I would have to walk past him to use the ladies room. And my husband's like, you should totally go up to him and just be like, Hey, I'm about to start culinary school. Any advice? And I was like totally nervous. Like I didn't know anything. I'm like, Oh my gosh. And this is also like 12 years ago, 10 years ago. Like this is a beat. Uh, so Bobby Flay wasn't even like who he is now. He was still pretty cool. Um, but I walked up to him and I was like, hey, you know, do you have any advice for somebody just starting off? And I remember he was like doing some stuff, but he stopped and was like, you know, the best advice I have is to not think that you're about to be the next top chef. It takes a lot of hard work to get anywhere in anything. Like you just have to work hard for whatever it is you want. Don't think that anything is going to be really cool. That. Yeah. And it's like a little bit of advice from thinking about Bobby Flay a million years ago. I don't yeah. even know. If Thanks you... for stopping and giving me that advice, Bobby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's my little Bobby Flay story. Um, but yeah, it was good advice. And then I feel like, you know, you start school and you're working, you know, in school with a bunch of people who have no idea what they're doing either. And some people are kind of posturing like, oh, my dish is blah, blah. And it's like, 
you are, we're all learning how to make the same apple tart right now. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. put your head down, just get through this. Um, it, was, it was good advice for the beginning. So I feel like because of that, I'm always like, oh, he was nice to me. But other people will say other things, so who knows? Can you tell us about a single moment in your life that you felt lost most acutely? So when I was pregnant and working, you just, I hadn't really envisioned what being a mom would be like and working and all of that. And I remember being so scared that I wouldn't be able to be a chef and be a mom. It was kind of like what I built so much of my identity around, like who I was, what I love, everything that I worked so hard for and to do it that time felt like it was just in this major tension with being a mom and I remember that was just a really hard time um so now I feel like I really have to stand on the soapbox and say it is definitely not easy like it's hard to be a mom it's hard to work in this industry you know separately but then together like it's just a whole new um a whole new level of challenges and things like that so I really want to empower other people to keep pursuing their dreams and keep going after it, keep showing up, um, even when it is hard, or even if you feel like what you are doing is in tension with um, other things. It's not always tension that means that you should stop. It's, you know, it can be something that you grow through that makes you stronger. So what's it, I mean, what's it like being a woman in this industry that's predominantly men? Um... It's funny. I was thinking about that question and it's funny because so many people do say like, oh, I met you and maybe you weren't like exactly what I was expecting because I am. I'm like five one, let's say like five three with my dance goes on. I'll stand up real tall. I have like blonde hair. It's braided. I wear makeup. I'm petite. Um, And sometimes people will like walk into a kitchen and assume that somebody else is in charge. Yeah. Even though it's me, just because they're a big dude with a beard, whatever it might be. Um, So there's a little bit of that. Like, everybody kind of enters with their own prejudices, you know? And people might, you know, see a woman or see me differently based on the way I look. Um, Have you ever had, like, a moment where you've just been, like, it's harder being a woman, like, like it kind of just put you down a little bit? I'm one of those people that I'll say... Yes, those things do happen, but I'm also just really motivated by that moment. And when people are like, you can't do it, or, you know, that would be really hard for you, I just, like, double down. Go harder. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Because, I don't know, it's important. And I think one of the cool things about working in a kitchen and working with diversity and, you know, so many different people, and even, like, so many dudes, it's like... They bring a lot to what we're doing. Right. And I bring a lot to what we're doing. So if we look at our differences and, you know, all of the differences that we have and don't see them as something that um, should make us not be able to work together, but is really something that is just like a different facet of the same thing that, um, you know, we can still all work together and we can have more, better, different ideas because we're bringing all these perspectives together kind of focus on that, then it helps for um, differences to not be isolating. Right, yeah. Because if I did walk in and say, like, oh, I'm the only woman in this room right now, and I felt insecure because of it, and I 
I felt like, oh, people aren't listening to me just because I'm a woman or blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, you, that certainly could happen. Um, but I just, I just feel like I have something different and unique to bring because of exactly who I am. And I think it's really important to show up with that. Um, cause if you don't, oh, like you're just we'll say, it sounds like you really have to have that drive and that ambition to really get through it if you're not if you're maybe a weaker person you just it would kind of tear you down a little bit and also like I am who I am right now and if you asked me questions like that gosh five years ago my answers would be different and I wouldn't walk in with like hellfire what's uh what would you say is the happiest moment of your life Uh (laughs) she's like nice cliche question folks okay uh that's hard i don't know i don't know if i have is it hard because there are do you think there's something that you're supposed to say but or no just it's just a hard question it's a hard question. I'm a happy person. I like to find a lot of joy in things, so it's like... I feel like you need a t-shirt that says that. I'm a happy person. Don't mess with this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I will beat you up. Yeah, get on my level. My, like, sugar high level. I need exactly. that. Um, I don't know. Like, getting married was great. I love my husband. He's, like, wonderful. Like, he really is absolutely wonderful. But, man, that was Just a in case day. he's listening, you had to say that. Oh, like, even if he's not, like, he... Is so great. Um, what does he do? He's a television producer. Oh, cool! So he does like sports TV stuff. I always feel so bad because like he really does some great work and all of that. But it's like when people are like, "Oh, she's a chef. She like bakes cookies all day." I'm like, "Well, kind of. There's like a little more to it than that." But he does things for three um, restaurants. Yeah. <laughs> He has sports Emmys, so I feel very, very proud of him for that. That's fantastic. I need, like, the James Beard Award to hang on his Emmy, and then we will just be, like, power couple. I want that. You're going to get there. I want that. I I really do. I want that. She said that with a very serious look on her face. (laughs) I want that. That's great. Yeah, I'm not kidding. It's funny. You know, you say, oh, she's a chef. She bakes cookies all day. If that were a male chef, they would never say that. Yeah. I, I Can you imagine? It. I walk up to a male chef and I say, "Oh, you're a chef. You bake cookies all day." I might get decked, like yeah, you know. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that's true. It's it's different. Um, and even like leading different people, sometimes it's hard if you're not used to um, having like a little lady be your authority. But hey, we're all here. I feel like you put the hammer down, Rebecca. I feel like you. <laughs> yeah. Like you bring it up sometimes when you need it's, to. <laughs> you know, most female chefs, especially like who ha- who are small in stature, that I know, there's a moment I've always you'll always if you hang around them enough, there you'll always see a moment in the kitchen where they just they snap and you see the like screaming drill sergeant version. Is there a screaming drill happen? sergeant version of you? I'm not like I just am not a yeller. Like I just. If I am very frustrated and upset, I will take a few deep cleansing breaths and then I will speak to you in a quiet manner. You know what I mean? And I feel like I can just get my message across so well in my still small voice than screaming at the top of my voice. Is there a look of death? Is that, is that Oh, probably totally. I'm yeah. sure that like if you ask all the people that work for like, me, they're probably, nice, like, calm, probably like, oh, she's supposedly she happy so by voice, but like you're about to die yeah. guy. Like when Rebecca takes a deep breath, folds her hands and tilts her head. Yeah, it's probably something Run. like that. And you're like, ah. 
I just feel like you say it so put together too, probably, but they just like feel like you're like digging into their soul. Like, yeah, I know that hurts like awful when I'll like say something, and then if somebody gets like emotional about it, I'm like, oh man. Have you ever made someone cry? Yes. Oh, like, Rebecca. She didn't even look sad about that. She was like, of course. Well, this is a hard industry. There's so much stress. You know what I mean? It's yeah. There's a lot going on, and people show up to their job and they want to do a good job, and if. You get a lot of critique. It can be really hard. I mean, I know I had critique when I was, like, especially just starting out. Like, now I feel like I've learned to manage things a little bit better. Maybe also just have a lot more confidence now. Um, but it's hard to take all of that in. And, yeah, sometimes it's just, like, the little things. are like, oh, man, I didn't realize I, like, Sorry. I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings, but it's not... Uh, a personal attack ever, you know, it's right. really, it's... The so you just walked in and you're like, that apple tart was terrible, and picked it up and threw it across the room? No. <laughs> I wish, like, one day maybe, You suck. <laughs> yeah, normally it's like a piece of kitchen tape on something like, this must be washed, and people are like, oh, I had a hand, like, dang it, you saw the thing. <laughs> That's Goodness. funny. So if you were going to be remembered for one dish you've made, what would that dish be? I don't think I've made it yet. I've thought long and hard about this. That's a good answer, though. I don't think I've made it yet. And it's so hard being between the three different restaurants right now. It's like, if I was going to be remembered for one dish, it would have to be like one thing from each one. And even still, it's like the Choco Taco's been on the menu for a while at Bellwether and same with the Rangoons. But like, those are still ever-changing. Like, I will constantly tweak things, so it's always out there in the future. Can you tell people about those two dishes? Because... They've never had it. Oh, my gosh. Maybe a few people have, but... Yeah. So, the Choco Taco at... These are two of the most popular dishes... Yes. ...that you've done. Yeah. Um, And, like, they've been very successful, so it's hard because I don't want people to beat down the door if I try to change it. A Choco Taco is, like, a packaged product. Oh, totally. tell us about your version. Well, if I say Choco Taco, it's like, you understand there's, like, ice cream in some kind of a taco shell. You know what I mean? Like, we'll start there. And I like to make desserts that people can relate to. Um, I feel like maybe when I was first starting out, like, you have this chef thing, you're like, I can make anything taste good, and you want to put together a whole bunch of weird (laughs) stuff. Um, And then you get older and wiser, and you're like, no, I want to make people happy with my food. And I liked having Choco Tacos growing up, but then... Like, when you eat some of these packaged products as an adult and they're just not that good, it's just a bummer. Sorry, Choco Taco, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> but I still I, I, I know. I, I still eat garbage a lot, and I bring it to work I and share like you have a sweet do. tooth. You do that. Like, there's just certain things that are just still so good. I know. Like a Wawa milkshake. Oh, my gosh. I just bought Starbucks. I think those things are terrible, by the way. Sponsors, Wawa. Lord. <laughs> yeah. Little no, Debbie. they're really not terrible. They're just kind of okay milkshake. I don't know why you don't like them. So the Choco Taco. <laughs> I use a Pizzelle maker. So it's like those round Italian, um, they're always like Christmas cookies um, for me. And I use that to make the flat round cookie. And then I shape it over a hotel pan. And I make that taco shape. And then I brush the inside of it with a dark chocolate magic shell. And then I fill it with a chocolate and coconut semifredo. And then I make a um, goat milk caramel. And I use a little pipette and fill the center of the taco with that like salted goat milk caramel. Dip it back through the magic shell and then roll it in toasted coconut. A little coconut whip on the top of it. And then more of that goat milk caramel on the plate. 
So everyone should be drooling at this point. Yeah. It's like one of those things, I feel like a lot of the desserts I had growing up are just like so, so sweet, and it really needs to be tempered with some salt. So I definitely bring the salt in that goat milk caramel, and then like there's a lot of complexity in the goat milk. It has that like tanginess Mm -hmm. and like a different depth of flavor. Coconut is also a very subtle sweet flavor, and I Mm -hmm. love that. Yeah, it's like just bringing a couple of new dimensions to a familiar thing. How long has the Choco Taco been on the menu at Black Sheep? Since I've been there. Oh, uh, Bellwether? Yeah, since I've been there. Oh, Bellwether, right, yeah. And it's Yeah, a long time. It's like that even kind of has a good story. It's like I started out there and I was, you know, writing all of the menus for my menu changes and I'm doing R&D and all of that and then I'm making things and I actually wanted to do a German chocolate cake with goat milk and have that like goat milk caramel mm. and all that and I was like making it doing the R&D and it was it was good it wasn't bad I mean it's <laughs> like it was good but it just wasn't like whoa amazing and I had just started working with John um my boss and he was like uh, yeah, this is good. And I remember wanting him to have, like, a bigger reaction for it. <laughs> and I was like, I guess you're right. Like, this is I good. Guess it's not that good. Yeah, and you kind of go into this thing. Or, like, when I started there, like, they hadn't had so many of the things that I was making. So then people are getting excited yeah. about what I'm doing. And I needed this, like, big reaction from people. And then when it was like, oh, that's good. I was like, drawing board. We're going back to the drawing board. <laughs> we're doing everything. And then, like, that's where the Choco Taco from me was born. It was like okay, like, this needs to be better. How can I, like, really, um, you know, bring something new and different here? So, I mean, that inspires I also love too. those rotating uh, ice creams. Yes, the soft serve. The soft serve is so good. Uh, what's a family meal that stood out to you throughout your career? Like, what's been one that's, like, you just really remember? And by the way, if you're not that industry familiar, family meal is when everyone in the kitchen comes together and has a meal together before service. Or after service. Or after, yeah. Fair yeah. Enough. Like, let's be honest, most of the time it's after service. When I was pregnant and working, and, like, I worked Friday, and then I took the weekend, took off Monday, Tuesday, had my daughter on Wednesday. So, like, I worked. Up (laughs) until it. Wow, yeah. Um, So, here I am waddling around the kitchen, and lots of things made me feel really crummy. Um, anybody who's ever been pregnant probably knows exactly what I'm talking about with like the morning sickness that's all day long and then like not just in the beginning. It's, it's gotta be hard to create food with that since, I mean, when oh, I totally. have a nausea feeling, like I don't even want to look at food. No. And then people are roasting mushrooms, like for the love of God, or say, have you eaten it or say? freaking roasted mushrooms everywhere i was like how are there always roasted mushrooms like my head will just be in a garbage can for a little bit you probably didn't even uh, notice it until then either well i had just started so uh, i was like oh that's it true it just yeah. smells like roasted mushrooms in here. i hate it here i don't know why like that smell just really got to me um there's like a lot of things and like like animal protein i was just like Ugh, i don't know if i can do it um and i'll say mama ruth her name is ruth and she works at orse and she made bean burritos it was one of the times I was, like, working at night, and she was doing family meal. She makes a wonderful family meal. I hope she hears this. Um, and she made bean burritos, and it was just, like, something I could finally freaking eat. And when you're pregnant and you eat something that tastes good, it's just, like, a whole nother level. <laughs> a new experience. Amazing. <laughs> a bean um, burrito. Mm, that sounds yes. good. And then I, like, went home, and I was like, I will eat bean burritos. And right. I, I want like, bean burritos for a week. Now when I feed my daughter beans, I'm like, I made you out of these. (laughs) (laughs) 
So one comment that you made to me the first time we met uh, there to there at a media event to try the food we've made, um, and you said something that I actually had never heard a chef say to me, although it's probably true of a few different chefs, and that's that you Uh-oh. you re- <laughs> <laughs> that you really enjoy watching people eat your food. Oh my food gosh, you've made. Yeah, I say that, that was all fascinating. The time you now. said it, and I couldn't stop thinking about that because I just like, imagine you with binoculars, like peeking around the kitchen. Oh no, or... she stood there right next to you. There's no yeah, peeking. No, I'm like watching like, you eat. <laughs> yeah, just right next to you, trying to see. Uh, you know, I don't know what. What makes you enjoy watching people eat your food, and like, what are you looking for when you're watching people eat food you've made? For me, being a chef is a hedonistic endeavor. I like to make people happy. Other people's happiness makes me happy. And I also studied sociology and psychology, so I feel like I like that like little research part of it, too. Um, so if I get to sit next to you and watch you enjoy something... That really helps me to stay motivated and happy and even just, like, know that I'm doing the right thing. Or, like, I learned so much even just by the way that people eat things. Like, by the way you approach the plate and pick it up and drag it the sauce and stuff like that. Or even it helps me to compose my dish. Um, Like, when I talk about plating things or when I'm educating our servers and doing training on, you know, how to drop a plate, what is 12 o'clock, like, which way to set the plate down? Right, yeah. What's the, the front? The What's the back? Yeah. Exactly. Um, it, it helps me to see the way you eat it. And I think about things like, okay, most people are right-handed. Sorry, all you lefties out there. <laughs> um, but most people are right-handed. So I'm like, all right, if you have your spoon or your fork in your right hand, and I have a piece of cake right in front of you, and then the far left corner I put the ice cream you're gonna eat all the cake and then the ice cream and it's like an awkward motion to get your perfect bite so what I'm trying to do is set everybody up for success in everything in life so I want to have the piece of warm chocolate brownie whatever on the like middle left side of your plate and then your ice cream like slightly lower and on the right so that way you just very easily get that perfect bite and then you just look up and smile and I am so happy, and so are you, and we just share that moment. So, that's that's very cool. That's that's awesome. Yeah. That was fascinating. I wouldn't have thought about to... that. You know? Yeah, no, that was. Really it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. The way you want people to eat your dessert, you want to plate it how they're going to naturally want to eat it. Mm-hmm. Or if you have a garnish that looks really cool and is awesome on Instagram, because it's this big old wheel or this like flower, gold leaf, whatever. I do all the things, so I'm totally guilty of this. But then you watch people eat your plate or you watch plates come back to the kitchen and there's a flower on the side of everything or there's that tempered chocolate garnish that's a pain to make that everybody doesn't eat. They just like lift it off and put it to the side. Mm. Uh, Then you know something as a chef like, okay, how can I have a more functional garnish that is more edible and enjoyable that adds something, brings something to a dish instead of just like Insta likes. Yeah. I know it's hard because I think like people have often you know some of the balance that. of that might just be education with servers because yeah. if, it's, if the server tells you, by the way, that garnish in the middle of your dish is delicious, and you really ought to you know mm-hmm. indulge in that as well, you do. Yeah, or I think about things like flowers are beautiful. I love to plate with flowers, but I would never just like pop a pansy in my mouth. You know what I mean? I would eat a petal off of the pansy, and it would add like a uh, freshness. Sometimes it's like a pepperiness herbaceousness 
to something, but I'm not going to just eat handfuls of flowers. So I'm going to think about that as I'm designing the plate. Like if I, you know, just pick the petals off of something and it just gives you a little pop of color and it's not like this thing that you just like lift off and place on the side, then people kind of enjoy the whole thing. That's fascinating. <laughs> I like it. I, I'm the person that eats the flowers now. Yeah. I never used to be, but as I've gotten more into food, Same, like I'm just yeah. fascinated by like the why although every now and then i'm kind of like is that to eat or is that not to mm -hmm. eat but if it's on a plate if you're at a nice restaurant i think if it's on the plate you can safely say it's edible mm -hmm. if you're at some randomish maybe not quite so organized restaurant mm, yeah. i worry a little sometimes or sometimes you see things like maybe not so much right hopefully not so much right now like a whole cinnamon stick on something and you're kind of like I get it, it's a cinnamon stick, and it adds height, but I'm not going to bite that thing. You know what I mean? Like, I know better than that. Or you see whole mint leaves that, like, I'm just leaving the crusade. Please, no more mint leaves. Why mint leaves and raspberries and everything? Yeah, I, I don't, uh, not the biggest fan of that either, mint leaves. It's, it's. I like mint as, like, a subtle flavor, but I think when I like you get too much mint, cocktails. it's overwhelming. If you see a dish plated with a sprig of mint leaf on it, what do you do? You just move it to the side. Every time. Yeah, yeah I mean. So we just waste it. It would over overpower the entire thing. So. Although mint, if you've ever grown it, it's like a weed. It's oh just like gosh. everywhere. It, like you can waste lots butter. of mint. It's not hard to get more. No, yeah. But then now, maybe that's why I have this like thing against mint right now. Because I cannot get it out of my Because it's evil and it keeps coming back. <laughs> There's a there's a weed that's edible called Florida betony. I don't know if you've ever seen it. No. If it gets in your garden, you will know what it is because oh. it is impossible to go away, and they look like grubs. The you eat the um, typically you eat the root of it, and uh, now I'm scared. This is like these are the things. <laughs> it's it looks like a white grub, but they're not bad. What's a they grub? actually kind of taste like radish grub, like a little worm, like a fat worm. Oh, interesting. So, I grew up in New York, so it's funny, like, all the wildlife down here, I'm like, I feel like it's like the Loch Ness Monster in every, like, pond and river. I'm like, there's, like, alligators and manatees. I was like, these things are real. Like, this is a real thing. Like, you, okay, okay. <laughs> Not like the unicorn of the sea. Okay. Well, manatees are, like, the happiest. I love manatees. They move so slow. You can just hop in the water with one, probably. Well, you can, yeah. I have a manatee story. Unrelated to Come it. on, let's go. Share the manatee story. So my family was vacationing in the Keys, and my husband and I were on a kayak, and I had no idea what a manatee was. Like, this chick from New York is like, what the heck is that? And so I am terrified. I have my paddle, and I'm, like, ready to whack this thing. Oh, no. <laughs> my husband is, like, petting it. He, like, scratched his nose, and I am, like... Ready to take get away, manatee. Yeah. And then we got back, and my sister's a lawyer, and she was like, You cannot touch them, they're protected, blah, blah, blah. And we're like, You don't want to know what we just did. I might have uh, gently patted it with my paddle to encourage it to leave as my husband was scratching his whiskers. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Aw. Yeah, so. yeah they love to interact with humans. That's awesome. I've never had a manatee moment. Like oh, that, I've, I And now I see things all the time, and I'm like, Ooh, I don't know. I don't know about you. <laughs> All right, so I have some questions for you. Yes. You have to answer with the first thing that pops in your head. Ooh, okay. We're going to call it rapid fire. Yes. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Favorite dish to make? 
souffle. Favorite ingredient to cook with? Chocolate. Do you snore? No. What do you hate the most? Mint leaves. <laughs> Cake or pie? No, dirtiness. Like, <laughs> uncleanliness. Like, that just drives me bonkers. Cake um, or pie? Cake. Most embarrassing place you've farted? Ooh. I don't know. I'm trying to think. <laughs> Come on, this is, a, oh, this is oh called my gosh, rapid no. fire for a reason. A Trans-Siberian Orchestra concert. Oh, wow. Nice. Best chef you've ever met. <laughs> Best chef? Uh, I don't know. Bobby Flay felt like we had our moment. Yeah, that was a pretty cool one. Pizza or tacos? Pizza. Guilty pleasure candy? <gasps> Snicker bar. Beer or wine? Wine. All right, that's it. You did pretty good. That's quick. Except for, except for the farting one. The yeah, one the farting. You had to think about that one hard. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> great. Must be a lot of embarrassing places you had to go Give me like the, head. what's the one, I've been thinking about this this week, this is my topic in my head. What's like the one, because I'm dying to find like more fun snacks, I don't know, just my life, but what's the one like snack that most people haven't tried that you think is fantastic? Like a mainstream snack? No, I got, I'll give you mine first. That'll probably make it easier to come up with. The one. Flaming Hot Cheetos and Takis are both like really great. I love Takis. I didn't know what Takis were until I started watching Orange is the New Black. <laughs> and I was like, all right, there must be something there. Then you, then and I saw them at Publix. Yeah, I, I was like, takis. all right. And then I was like, I see, I see you. That's awesome. Uh, I like salty things, uh, especially. Like, I love to buy Little Debbie's and then, like, a bag of salt and vinegar chips. Because it's just that, like, mm. take a bite salty. Each. I've been obsessed yeah. with the pickle chips lately. Those are good. The dill pickle. Mm. Yeah. They're pretty good. I liked when Lay's did their, like, you know, name your flavor mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. And they tried a whole bunch of different flavors. And then nobody <laughs> ate them, so they just did away with it. Yeah. They, they've been keeping the pickles. Pickles yeah, I think it's a Canadian thing, and like the ketchup ones, those are pretty mm. good too. I love to walk through like the Asian grocery store, find the biggest one I can find, and walk through it and just like look for snacks. Mm-hmm. I found these Ubi pillow things, mm. which Ubi are pillow like, things. oh, they're amazing. That's what oh, they're called. Yes. They're called Ubi pillows, but I they have like you. a <laughs> Ubi cream in the middle, mm. and then it's almost like um, like a cereal outside. It's all they're. Is it Ubi or Ube? I thought it was Ube, but I really don't know. I've heard it said both ways, so I just say one and see what happens. Real quick, (laughs) there's a great story behind Flaming Hot Cheetos, which Mm. you may or may not know. So it was actually invented by a janitor at Frito-Lay. Oh, maybe I have heard this. Have you heard this Yeah. Yeah, so cool. Uh, Basically, guys cleaning the floors at Frito-Lay. Did you tell me that? Maybe because I love this story. This story is this is like one of my favorite. Me and I've told like ten people now. It's great. Yeah, he's cleaning the floors of Frito Lay, and the CEO of the company sends out this company wide email and says, "Well, we, you know, we're open to ideas or something along those lines," and says, "You know, we're feel free to send us yeah, yeah, anybody can send us your ideas." Blah 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 blah, and he's like. Well, I took that very seriously, and he said, you know, there's the gentleman was Hispanic, and he said, there's nothing for the Hispanic market. There's nothing that really, in Frito-Lay's mix, that hits, hits for us. And so he took the Cheetos home, and he experimented with, like, spices and flavors, and he made Flaming Hot Cheetos in his kitchen at home. And uh, so he, he sent an email to the CEO of the company saying, you know, I have this idea, blah, 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 blah. He says, I get called in by my manager, and he's just angry. He's like, what are you doing? I'm getting emails from corporate, blah, blah, blah. And when the CEO comes to town, he says, I'm going to bring our management team, and you can present it to us. So he presents it to them. They love the yeah. idea. The guy's a vice president of the company today. That's amazing. 
amazing. It's so cool. It's like, it is amazing the things that you can learn when you're open to learning from anybody. You know what I mean? That's pretty cool. I love that. That's yeah. awesome. Well, it's been a fun adventure. This turned out exactly how I would have hoped, honestly. Yeah, like, thanks for being our inaugural podcast guest, Rebecca. Thank you. Thanks for it's, having it's me. It's really cool. Like, we did stories the whole time. <laughs> you know, you have this idea to do a podcast, and you say, I don't want it to just be like an interview. I want it to be chefs telling stories. Mm-hmm. And that's what we did. So, yeah. pretty stoked. Thanks for listening to Chefs Tell Stories, guys. All right. We'll see you next time. Catch you next time.